you are. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. I can hear him from over the road. See, but look, now... Now that she's, like, gone, like, ten metres away from the house, they're silent. I can see them, they're fine. They're happy as Larry. How it's does that the, happen? It's the transition between, between <laughs> like, house to door. They get they just go mental. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, they're, so they're small to... dogs though so I, I don't understand how they like, that's coming um, it's always the small ones they're, they are the most just they fucking... have a lot to say yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm at the corner shop and he's I'm like oh these fucking dogs I can hear him a fucking mile away <laughs> and he's <laughs> it's like well, what are you on about well this lady across the road she's got these dogs and they just won't shut the fuck up yeah um and he, he like looks out the window he's like oh yeah I know her yeah those bastards yeah yeah <laughs> well he was like oh she owes me a fuck ton of money mate <laughs> <laughs> so, oh really he's like yeah mate like you know oh. <laughs> she could afford new dogs but she can't fucking pay me for like fags and milk. shit milk <laughs> yeah. like, oh. I think the it's plot. still fucking mental that you know only in England I swear you have like corner shops that just owe you owe people money like how does that still happen nowadays you know what i mean it's just so small communities you know he's a he's a good guy he's a nice he's a nice bloke yeah but like this is how this shit happens he, he does you, you give <laughs> you give siggies to the crazy woman on the block and she never pays you back yeah he does strike me as a bit gullible bless him he's telling me <laughs> he's telling me the other day um, some guy came in and he was complaining right. about his vape because uh, it was right. broken and he was like I'll give it here let me have a look and he just took like one puff of it and it was working and he's like right <laughs> 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 and he told me the same guy owes him money <laughs> because his mate like tried on his ring and couldn't get it off and I was like you that is the oldest lie in the book that- <laughs> like I, I don't. Even, I, I I struggled to feel sympathetic about that. I know, bless him. I was like, I, I mean, bless your it's heart. It's like the uncut gem but... singer. Oh, you'll bring it back tomorrow. You'll bring it back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I know. Poor lad. Bless him. He's a good guy. <laughs> he seems it. He seems lovely. I might go to his shop just out of just out of kindness to to be. Like, I'm really sorry, mate. You've gone through a lot. <laughs> I'll have a sprite. <laughs> Those jobs are stuck though, because like, you, you must open at like eight in the morning and then close at like nine. And that's and it. He's just, and like, pretty much every day he's, he's there. He's just there every day. I think it's a bit um, different though when you probably own it. You probably have a, like a, a sense of quite strong pride of owning a shop. It's not a common thing to do, you know, owning a shop. You might yeah. be the manager of one, but if it's yours, it's yours, you know. But I get like two hours into being at my job and I just and I'm already like, <laughs> I wanna go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. Oh there's this there's this video on TikTok I came across where it was like uh at Carl Pilkington he's in this like, like this shitty hotel and he's looking out the window, he's like, I'm not I ate it here. I'm not staying here. Fuck this, I'm not staying. <laughs> it's just captured like five minutes into work. <laughs> Relatable. Just close the window. Mm. 
It's also lived by a fucking school. And they're all Mate, back. you live in the worst place for podcasts ever. I really do. The, yeah, the only thing that could be worse if you live next to like a train track or something. <laughs> like, can you, imagine the, can you imagine the noise? The planes actually do fly overhead here. <laughs> Amazing, of course they do. So, like. <laughs> we're lucky we've, we've somehow missed that. Sunshine. You can insure it. You haven't done it in a while. Oh, thanks, man. Go on, Let's man. do it. Guys, get excited. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Final Draft podcast with me, Adam Bastin, and as always, handsome. Mm. Is that it? <laughs> I was, I was, that was your cue, mate, to say that's... Uh, it, I thought it was going to be Do you understand why now, like, a, oh, do you want, like, a better performance? No, I, that no that's fine. I, you just said the handsome, and I was like, I, Alex Knox. Go, go on. Oh yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not going to say your name and then be like, "Hello, are you?" Yeah, no. All right. <laughs> we'll take really. it from the top. No, we'll no, it it's fine. This is all. This is all staying in. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm fired. It's yes. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're all doing all, all right. Back. Thank you for tuning in again to our. The best film podcast in the world. We're um, um, we're number. I think I checked last night. We're number fifty nine in Uzbekistan. So thank you, Uzbekistan, thank for you listening. <laughs> Cheers! Shout out. We love Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry. hope you're doing all right. Um, today yeah. is another double feature. Blimey! Blimey. Uh, we've got uh, 2009's Coraline and 2010's uh, Submarine. We're going for a. We're going for the early. Uh, 2000s today. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> we are, well, you yeah. have, can, can you tell now why you always introduce it? I wasn't prepared <laughs> for this mentally, I don't think. I like the idea of we're doing the early 2000s. <laughs> like, as in, like, the whole 2000s. Oh, the whole stretch. Yeah. It's on the late 2000s till we get to 2500. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, yeah. Bloody hell. 2025. We'll get there. Oh. Um, I went first last time. Fuck's sake. So you're up, kid. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, what did you make? What did you? What did, what did we watch this week? Well, I thought we'd go with a uh, one of my favourite animated films ever made, which is a uh, Coraline. Um, Caroline. Coraline. Caroline. It's Coraline. I'll have you find. <laughs> All right. There you go, we got that bit in. We did the bit. Amazing. <laughs> Mom? What are you doing here in the middle of the night? You're just in time for supper, dear. You're not my mother. My mother doesn't have... Buttons? <laughs> Do you like them? I'm your other mother, silly. 
Now go tell your other father that supper's ready. Well, go on. He's in his study. Hello? Hello, Coraline. Want to hear my new song? My father can't play piano. No need to. This piano plays me. Oh. It was also the film that probably scarred me the most as a child. Really? Which, uh, <laughs> it's quite surprising that that ended up turning into one of my favourite films. Um, or favourite animated films. It's got a nice bit of sweet story. It's very creepy and gives you a lot of questions. And uh, it's just visually very compelling. Um, it's about an 11-year-old girl who... It moves into this creepy, creepy house with her parents and uh, finds like a, a magic cupboard, like Narnia, but through it is like a an ideal or idolized version of um of her house and her world and her life, where everything is uh, a bit like Alice in Wonderland, where it's you know it's all perfect and there's you know why would you want to go back? That is the question, isn't it? Um. But yeah, it has uh, some sinister secrets. There's, you know, not much that's um, actually good about this place. Uh, she was she was bamboozled, and it's not that nice of a place, actually. But that's like the best mm. plot description <laughs> in the world. As that, is essentially, that is essentially that is the it, plot, though, really. Yeah. That is essentially yeah. the plot, really. It's evil Alice in Wonderland, essentially. But told in kind of. from yeah, in a mm. in a, an, a stop motion animated way, um, with kind of very poignant set pieces and character design and um, interesting camera moves and all around just breathtaking uh, uh, artistry really. Um, I think I I don't really appreciate it when I was there at the time because I you know just watched animated films and it was like some look different from others um <laughs> i was very aware that this was uh, this looked a lot different i didn't i wasn't exactly impressed because i didn't really have the scope of understanding to to what went behind it but it was it looked different to wallace and gromit so i was like this is interesting um but that was about as de deep as my understanding for film was like at the age of nine understandable but yeah alex what did you think of it yeah i don't think i've seen this since i was a kid I don't think this one really yeah. stuck with me, but I remember it being like very like popular, uh, mm. or like memorable. Sure, like really like kind of like permeating pop culture. Uh, this was directed by Henry Selick. He worked on like Nightmare Before Christmas, and mm. James and the Giant Peach. Um, oh, that was another film that really scarred me. I think this this <laughs> type of animation is just pure uncanny valley, and it just there's something about right. it, man. <laughs> It oh. is creepy. There is a creepy element to stop motion. Yeah, um, definitely. There are all those kind of films tap into really well. There is a kind of uncanny valley nature to it. Um, I guess my takeaway from Caroline was like, oh, this is like a horror film for kids. This is like absolutely mm. like a kid's horror film. Mm. Um, and you compared it to, some, to something like Alice in Wonderland or mm -hmm. Narnia, which I thought was a that's a good that's a good comparison actually mm. um 
And yeah, it is it is like that, but it's also like I don't think it's as um clear what the all the meanings and messaging of it are, is compared to those texts. Yeah. Um but I do kind of like that about it. It's more just visual. There's more just kind of a there's just a lot of engaging imagery um and design and iconography mm. uh, and less like straight up allegory um you know the story is not like well even with the with the narrative like it's kind of about you know be careful what you wish for and uh appreciating your life and what you have and all that these kind of stuff but this is stuff that we've seen a lot of these kind of narratives before but i think where Coraline's different is that like Coraline, i guess she doesn't really change much throughout the film like i don't feel like she does really learns a lesson it's more just <laughs> yeah she starts as this kind of quirky bold character and that's just kind of what carries her through uh, all of the kind of <laughs> more horrific stuff yeah. um but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's it's a very charming, charming piece, and it's just got a lot of character. And um, I was impre- I was impressed by obviously stop motion is just in- impressive anyway. Just thinking about mm. how much work it would take to make some of this shit. But um, yeah, I was impressed by like its scope as well. Like it, it's a very um, there's just a lot visually to take in, and there's some very impressively uh, composed set pieces and stuff that are just very mm. splendid and. Nice. It was like a. It's a kind of weird comfort film in a way, uh, despite how it's kind of very unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting it. It's a bit like um. You remember Monster House? You ever watched that as a kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Corpse Bride. You know all these kind of animated pieces that were. I think I was very aware of the fact that they didn't look. They didn't look um, normal in comparison to to actual live action films. And I kind of picked up, I guess, on there were some like the camera would do really with or your perspective, I suppose. I was obviously thinking of the camera at the age of nine, but um, the perspective of which you see things is often quite strange. And I think I was able to pick up on more techniques and um, and, and and things like that uh, through animation. And I think that's one thing that was quite unsettling because it wasn't perspectively, it was weird. Um, along with all this kind of quite scary iconography and, and and character designs like buttons for eyes and kind of really um, abstract depictions of like humans and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of Tim Burton films, like, you know, a lot of the people are very kind of like tall and slender and, and creep about and walk quite funny. And that could be presented as, both like like charming and joyful you know you could have someone dancing around or you can have it as like crawling down in a hallway with in the most kind of bizarre fashion and it becomes creepy mm-hmm. um and it's quite impressive how that film or this film even uh does that it's not just kind of like the set pieces and the way that the uh perspective changes but also the way that the actual elements within the scenes um both kind of like uh are animated but also how they interact with it as well um right yeah i think one of yeah, my, there's a lot like, of uh there's a lot of really strong like cinematic language in this actually mm. um for like 
a, a kid's thing <laughs> you know yeah absolutely um, like we talked about this like with Paddington like I think kids films there's so much potential actually for some really great yeah. uh, cinematic storytelling um, and you just get a lot of that with this like there's a lot of just uh, great kind of kind of sweeping shots in the kind of set pieces and uh, a lot of mirroring obviously with the two other worlds and it's just full of detail uh, mm. uh, that it you know that, that goes a long way to make this very charming and uh, appealing and, and fun. Like, it is a fun film, like, it, uh, despite the childhood trauma it might have given you. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, it, it certainly stuck with me, I think that's fair to say. Um, why do you again, think that a lot is? Of animated films did. I, do you know, I really tried breaking it down in this version. I think I connected... I think I was often scared for, like, the central characters because that was expressed so well in in the way that expressions are done um it's quite strange because like i think Coraline is like a as a character was you know quite like um an inspiring figure i guess because you know she's kind of like courageous and brave and curious and um you know finds joy in a the little things and stuff so i think for any like kind of like kid that's easy to kind of catch on to um but then uh, yeah i think I, uh, I i was very easily feared um or feared for a lot of characters i got attached to in, in films and in animation it just seemed that the set pieces that you go into they're very intense and then it settles you know there's there's very much like bits where it's the tension is so high and then it breathes out um, it's not exactly kind of um, fluid, I suppose. It's either just it's it's kind of like tame, or it's just like everyone's going to die, and this is terrible. Um, and I think particularly in this film, uh, it was just the nature of it um, of things kind of being like un- uncanny valley, and the 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 weird way that the d- designs of the characters look like parts of them were accentuated and. Um, the whole buttons for eyes thing and taking the um, the kind of humanity and out of these people that kind of that's, that kind of creeped me out um, and also like kind of realizing that that character wasn't safe and that this world is a bit um, is not what it seems because uh, you kind of figure out a few things about that outside of the character's own journey as well um, and you're kind of cautious that something's going to go wrong um yeah and the whole kind of uh thing <clears throat> about her having to um you kind of figure out what their that their plot is and wanting to give her like button or take her eyes away and give her button all this stuff it just it's uh, that's quite fucking creepy um yeah. And yeah. as a kid, it's, that's hard to process, I think, <laughs> you know, like yeah, the actual it's, it's that extent thing, to where it's going. It's that thing I was saying before about, like, um, there's there's not straight up, like, answers for why, like, what that means necessarily, like, what the buttons rise necessarily means. Like, obviously, you can kind of infer it's a kind of control metaphor and a lack of, you know, your your freedom and your pers- your personality being kind of stripped away from you. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, like, you're, you're not really tuning into that. You, but the, yeah. You're kind of tuning into just the imagery of it. And then 
it's a it's hard to it's hard to ex- explain like the abstraction and how you kind of tune into that as a kid but I've, i do think there is something there about like mm. the way they utilize the imagery and the little ways that they let you know when you're in that world that it there is something off um obviously the button for buttons for eyes is a big kind of giveaway um but it's a little mannerisms that like the other mother does like she's kind of tapping on the table and um I know it's like whenever they have they have like dinner scenes like her she her plate's never full like it's always empty mm-hmm. um and yeah it's in, it's it's interesting how they kind of build that tension uh throughout the film because the the dangerous aspects of it the, the kind of you know the the perilous kind of stuff that she has to go through in the film doesn't really pop up until the last kind of half hour mm, um, it's kind of just figuring out the base of what yeah. is actually going on here i mean if you find a fucking hole in your wall that takes you to exactly the same place but better <laughs> you know like, what's all that about <laughs> um and it's you know it's, it's a mystery it's like alice in wonderland where you 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 try to figure out like if this is a better alternative to where we where you've come from and i think you are kind of um I think it's fair to say you are aware that you expect more things to happen within a film other than the character goes to another place and everything's okay. Um, And also there's like a familiarity with, uh, with uh, Coraline in the real world where she's, you know, trying to make up time when her parents are busy and she's trying to find things to do. Like, I think you can relate to that as a child and be like, that That feels like somewhat normal, you know, trying to occupy your time and um, at least on that perspective of things. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I really kind of, <clears throat> I guess it's like part of like the performance, I guess. Mm. And, like, and the animation too, I suppose. But like, I believed like the kid angle of it, like... Mm of that like unsatisfaction of childhood of when when life is just kind of boring and your parents aren't kind of giving you what you want and that kind of stuff like I really kind of identified with that you know like Mm. I I think sometimes you can look through childhood with like gross tinted glasses but a lot of the time you know being a kid is just kind of there's a lot of like boring shit you know and like trying to find mm. the fun and stuff and um, definitely a kind of a kind of unspoken dissatisfaction with maybe your life or your <laughs> yeah. circumstances or the things it's a weird you. thing to grasp onto isn't it like it's a yeah like, i specifically remember kind of just feeling that way when i you know originally watched it because it was like um well, my mum used to like make jewelry so you just spend hours and hours just at a desk and i (laughs) no matter how much i tried you know um i couldn't like there was i couldn't have her attention during the day when she was working and my dad would be asleep from night shifts so i had to like make up my own time at like weekends and stuff yeah (laughs) and it's just something that you do as a kid um and i definitely clocked onto that more watching it this time around i think you I think you were more aware of it retrospectively watching it when you're older. Um, yeah. But then how that impacts all the other elements of the film as well. 
um, and how it kind of ties together. But again, like one of the reasons why I suggested it is because it's just such an impressive like feat of um, of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that I can imagine any animator in the world watched this film and was just completely shocked at some of the scenes in here. You often had like that with studios where <laughs> they'd have a scene in a film, in an animated film, where uh, they would kind of just be like, hey, we're, we're Mr. Big Bollocks over here. We're, we're testing out what we can do and right, pushing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. For example, like Toy Story had that scene where he, he gets cleaned by the right, yeah. by toy maker. <laughs> but that yes. was solely known as like, they just did that to test some to flex, animation yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah to be like look we could do reflections and all this stuff like liquid physics all this and yeah, they had that in this there's with like, quite a lot yeah there's multiple scenes where they're just kind of swinging their dick <laughs> yeah I mean if you think about like the, the rat scene like where they're in the circus like how the fuck does that like how does that happen like how mm. how is that even animated um, all those little bits that come together and um, and then you add camera movement into it because not only have you got to like animate what's in the scene but also like move the camera in that space at the same time but only move it ever so slightly and like perfectly um, as well and then it becomes this fluid movement that's yeah. insane yeah um, I don't actually know how long it took to make but I imagine it it took <laughs> a bloody long years yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it in like the uh, the garden scene where mm. it all lights up and you see like that it's in the shape of her face and thinking like, you know, that's like a set for them. That is a set. <laughs> yeah. And like they would have it's had all to build miniature all that as well. and like set it all up. But yeah, and it's miniature and but they're also working within that set as well and the camera's track mm. pull, pulling out and like that is so much time and effort to, to do. Um <laughs> And he, uh, but, uh, but I was impressed as well. We was like, the I, I like the the design of everything really, and like yeah, the house and cohesive, even even in the normal world, and like this very like strange landscape it's in, like uh, with the this kind of cliffside foresty type thing in the backdrop. It just looks very like impressive. Uh, it's probably like mm. use of like, uh, you know map paintings and stuff um but it just gives it like the scope gives it the sense of like scale um you never really consider that we only really spend time in this one kind of location <laughs> um it's very it's very cool i suppose like the, the having the the other house as well and it being yes you know it that is a different set as well that is a completely that they would have had to build and uh change and i really love when the kind of the other world is like deconstructing and she's going through the house and there was this little detail where all the wallpaper like peels up mm. and i was like that is that is fucking amazing <laughs> yeah for <laughs> real man. very very good <laughs> it was also like the first stop motion film to be shot entirely in 3d as well as if it wasn't fucking complicated enough right um i didn't i don't think i watched it in 3d but i specifically remember them there being like a 3d show and coming out of it like can you imagine what that was like in 3d because that was all the hype back then wasn't it 3d fucking hell 3d yeah fuck that um how dead is 3D? yeah like <laughs> yeah i know man 
<clears throat> do they even show 3D films anymore? Uh, they were when I was working at the cinema. Um, Does anyone watch them? No, they, they're not. They are not as popular as your standard affair. Um, no, some I think films we go will. see a 3D film just for the fact well, that they still exist. <laughs> well, the last one we watched was Ready Player One, and that I felt did, that, that was a film to be made in 3D, though. That's yeah, to be fair, that film. I was like, okay, well, this works in 3D. I just can see why this would be a good 3D movie. Mm. Um, it was, that was a blast. Well. It was alright, you know, the film's bad, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the 3D like, is um, kind of cool. The fact that it was all about a video, like, something like a free guy, despite it being, like, terrible, um, I imagine would be, like, fun in 3D, because it, it kind of... It's all about kind of 3D computer worlds, and it goes to, like, visual elements, I imagine, that are a lot different. It's the same, very similar to Ready Player One, I imagine. Um, yeah. You know, I felt like that was just a film to be made in 3D, but yeah, I can't believe that films still exist. And I don't even know if you can get tickets to 3D movies anymore. Yeah, I imagine, um, I imagine you still can. I don't know with pandemic, to be fair, but I imagine they still do 3D showings. Um, 4D is the one I don't understand because some places yeah. will have like the 4D experience, and then like who what? wants to watch film and have their chair like vibrate and get like sprayed <laughs> yeah. of mist and stuff like <laughs> fuck that I, don't, I, I think don't all think the Marvel so. films are in 3D still you know yeah I think so oh yeah God. all like the the studio ones will be in 3D like the big kind of action blockbusters will will, oh. will be I imagine for whatever oh, well. reason <laughs> yeah hey ho hey ho but yeah anyway Oh yeah, but Coraline. <laughs> Coraline, that's the that's the bloody thing. Um, I got some trivia. Just ripped straight from IMDb. Go Thank ahead. you very much. Thank you. Um, there were over 130 sets that were built um, across 52 stages. Wow. Um, spanning uh, 183,000 square foot, <laughs> um, and it is the most ever deployed for a stop motion animated feature. Um, I think that's still relevant today. Um, and uh, it's also the longest stop motion animated film ever made. No, is Until uh, Kubo and the Two Strings in 2016 came out. Same studio. This is uh, Leica, Leica Studios. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think they might have. Doesn't surprise me. I think they're still knocking about, but I think I might have heard that they, I don't think their recent ones have done very well. Um, but yeah, they did Kubo and Two Strings, and they did Paranorman, which is my, which would be my oh. per- personal pick for this kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're they're a brilliant studio. Um, but I don't think they. I think Coraline's probably their most successful film. I don't think they really managed to recapture the uh, the the interest it's, with people, unfortunately. Yeah, it seemed that they they kind of married uh, a lot of um, really good elements together. Um, I think also uh, like oh. what, what what year does come out again? Two thousand two thousand nine. Uh, yeah. Um, well, they've they've actually just like have just announced that, that they're doing a new animated feature. Okay, awesome. Um, with um, uh, uh, Travis Knight, who did um, like Kubo and the Two Strings and Bumblebee uh, and Paranormal. Okay. 
Um, well, that's what was I say? Paranorman. Oh yeah, we're, we, yeah, we're in a popularity of this. Like, I think 2009. This is also like prime, like emo, hot topic kind of like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that what I mean. True. Like, we're we're right in the heat of that, um, and mm. I think this was like just bait for for that crowd, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. With kids and like teens as well, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably part of the. Well, yeah, iconography is so popular with people because it is very, it is very Tim Burton. It is very like mm. goffy. I always thought this was a Tim Burton film. Um, growing up, yeah, I thought that. Um, that's quite. Well, it, it kind of follows that the same kind of. I mean, I think it speaks volumes to, the like the influence of Tim Burton, for example, um, that his visual style was so kind of unique. Um, but animation seemed to kind of follow the, at least, uh, horror, I guess you could say, all these kind of stories in stop motion animation became popular and, um, it's often quite expressed in this medium, like continuously from that point. Um, you think of like. Uh, I wouldn't say horror, I guess, but like there's there's something creepy about them, you know. It, it kind of like banks on something that's creepy, like the Nightmare Before Christmas has is one of the more tame ones, but um, it's like it's like like goth kind of corpse pride, aesthetic. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, yeah, good I do stripes. find it very interesting. Love love good stripes, <laughs> mm. you know. Yeah, I also remind I remember like James and the Giant Peach being very um being very creepy for the same reason like you had people like yeah i remember that like fucking bugs and, and shit yeah like i remember it being a very depressing film and very kind of harsh um character design like there were bugs and ants and things with teeth and fucking creepy eyes and stuff like none of it was none of it other than the voices seemed like safe yeah. and then you had this kid who was amongst it all and it's like this is this is horrible this is just not good <laughs> um yeah it seemed very kind of very strange and creepy um but then you get i think there's an obsession with that and i i, I kind of buy into it it's it the fact that you're able to mm. kind of do that in like a, a movie that's got like a used certificate yeah it's very impressive yeah it is impressive so what mm. i mean about like the you know the imagery is just like very very strong it's just very like uh gives you a good platform to just spring off and kind of create your own ideas and you get a lot from the character mm. designs and stuff and the visual presentation of everything it, it gives you a lot to just kind of gestate on and let your imagination kind of go wild um, yeah and think about all the kind of backstory and all that kind of stuff um yeah and there is some kind of like morbid stuff going on underneath it, you know. Like there's this whole kind of subplot about like these dead kids, <laughs> yeah, who, um, who never escaped. Yeah, um, <laughs> what the fuck? I love, I really love that. Uh, it's like in the final ten minutes of the film, and she's she's got home and she's done it, and she's like, oh, this is good. And then 
shares a dream with the kids and they're like oh thank you for saving us and she's like oh i'm just glad it's all over and they're like oh no you're fucked honey you fucked yeah (laughs) that's such a great like dark turn for like a kid's film oh okay thanks they're like no she's gonna find you you're fucked (laughs) you're in danger (laughs) you still live in this house by the way a lock and a key ain't gonna ain't gonna cut it she is behind the Um, door yeah she is very scary she's gonna watch you when you sleep (laughs) Mm. Mm. Uh, and and the thing with YB is quite creepy as well like he's he's quite a strange character anyway but yeah remember that bit where like they they literally like sew his mouth open so he smiles (laughs) what the fuck yeah it's like oh yeah very peculiar and there's there's like kind of like there's all these kind of mysterious this things you just don't know about, like with the cat. Yeah. Like he's just this kind of like <laughs> seemingly omniscient like, you know, being. <laughs> we don't really cool know with everything. Yeah, we don't really know much more about him. He seems to be more aware of everything than <laughs> than we're led to. to, to he's to, seen some shit. Know. That cat. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and we'll probably be like this kind of and his grandmother and this kind of backstory and we don't really get the full picture of what happened we really get the kind of <laughs> glimpses into what what went on it's very yeah. uh, it's weird quite quite strange yeah it's very peculiar <laughs> excellent um anything else to say about it other than it's really really good um no yeah it was just it was a it was a nice revisit Pretty solid eh um i like i like it i like what it's going for um yeah obviously in terms of just its animation and stuff but uh i do find it interesting narratively i, I like this idea of like we're just going to give you like a lot of just vibes and imagery and that's going to be enough to freak out kids <laughs> <laughs> and leave them scarred perfect um, marriage yeah. you know uh and 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 you can you could probably rewatch it and fairy craft and all that kind of stuff and that's fun you know I I I, yeah. I do understand that angle of of these kind of things and um, trying to piece it together yeah like well what is cool. the story and what's the backstory like that's really cool I like implied stuff and I think Coraline mm. has a lot of interesting implied narrative devices you know <laughs> I think, um, yeah I think that's fair to say yeah. But yeah, so uh, what would you rate it? Gave it a four, four stars out of five. <clears throat> well, I was terrified then. <laughs> it's, it's good. Okay. It's not a personal fave, um, but it is very charming uh, and very iconic. Like, yeah. I, I, I do remember it being like just around a lot, and then it just kind of disappeared. Um, that's what happens when things are in cinemas. That oh yeah, yeah. oh that's probably what happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it was back again. <laughs> It's back again on a little disc. Oh, uh, uh, in Tesco's. Yeah. In Friday Big Shop. Yeah. yeah. And then that went Did away. we get that? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's okay. a tenner. Oh. oh. Okay. I guess I'm not seeing that movie again. And then <laughs> yeah. a couple of year later, it's on, it's on at Christmas. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that is like how yeah. you would engage with films as a kid. Yeah. You didn't get on DVD, you just be like, oh, I guess I'm never seeing yeah. that ever again. <laughs> Literally, though. As a kid, that was like, that was it, you know. Unless you went to, there was like some 
strange event in which you'd be able to go to Blockbuster. Yeah. And but then there's fifty thousand other films that you really liked and thought you'd never see again. So <laughs> it becomes quite the dilemma to be honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where my kind of thing for not being okay with watching a movie more than once came from. Is that I just really? had no t- well, yeah, because like if I went to Blockbuster, there was no chance I was going to pick something I liked. I had to do something that I hadn't watched before. Um, mm. Otherwise, my mum would get very upset that I've bloody chosen that film again. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've chosen like, I don't know, what was that? Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for like the fifth time. Right. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. But yeah, I can't, I can't anyway. think how many times my mum's seen every Spider-Man film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Right, awesome. Yeah, uh, oh, Spider-Man too. What did you? <laughs> what did you rate Coraline? Uh, I gave it yeah four out of five. But I gave it an eight, um, which for me is like a very high four, because I, I I just there's no way that I'll never not be impressed with this film, and I think yeah. it's timeless as well. It will always forever be incredibly impressive. Um, because of the way it was made and the, the things that they were able to pull off at the time in which they did, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, bloody brilliant. Uh, <clears throat> I loved it. Awesome. All right, we'll do the next one. Um, I'm just gonna have a pee break. Oh, I love it. Okay, one second. Entertain them. All right. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another segment of Alex has gone to the toilet um, whilst I talk to you about uh, anything other than film um, I'm not actually going to do that this week because I can't think of anything I've been bamboozled this episode from Alex throwing me into situations I don't really, I'm not really comfortable with but there we go um, that's just the uh, that's just the, the way it is isn't it? I'm honestly so tired I have had no sleep I don't know, how are you guys doing? You doing all right? <laughs> this is why I can't do a podcast on my own, um, because it would just be me talking into sentences that don't lead anywhere else. Um, because sitting here looking at a wall or a microphone talking to myself is just not fun. Uh, I need to hear Alex's vape and, and giggle um, in order to just process anything that comes out of my mouth. Um, but luckily, I think he's he's here. And that, and that concludes that segment. <clears throat> Hello. Hello, mate. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm so I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> that was that was terrible. Maybe I'd, <laughs> I'm gonna let us like do a, go for a pee break one time and just go for like an hour. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got to finish off the show. Just tell you guys how I felt about the other films on the Double Feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Alex. Yeah, come speaking on then. of my film was uh let me pull up my notes one second. It was so well, it was submarine. <laughs> I know what the film is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh two thousand ten movie directed by Richard Iwadi. Um it's a coming of age drama comedy uh about a young boy called oliver tate who is very uh inquisitive and curious um 
he's a bit of a wallflower, I suppose. And yeah. uh, he develops this relationship with a girl called Joanna. Or Jordana, sorry. Um, Terrible. And I know, how could I? And then... <laughs> uh his his home life is starting to fall apart a bit uh when a funny magic man turns up and it turns out jordana's going through some similar it's no very very different issues actually mm. um and it's all about you know relationships at a young age and thinking yeah. about love when you're young and or any age really and um uh yeah you know it's 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 a, it's, a, it's my it's probably my favorite coming of age film it's probably one of my favorite films period mm. um it's one it's a very formative film for me um yeah. I, I think i watched this first time when we were, we were in school we, and we would have been like the same age as these characters and um the way i've interacted with this film over the years has, has changed a lot really or i've taken i've taken different things from it um it's definitely yeah. one that has evolved as i've gotten older um and i think it's just very very basically funny i love the sense of humor of it um and i love it's just style and visual presentation too tonight i stumbled across an encyclopedia entry on ultrasound ultrasound is a sound vibration too high frequency to be audible it was first developed to locate submerged objects submarines depth charges atlantis and such some animals like bats dolphins and dogs can hear within the ultrasonic frequency but no human can no one can truly know what anyone thinks or feels. What's inside mum? What's inside dad? What's inside Jordana? We're all traveling under the radar, undetected, and no one can do a thing about it. Adam, what do you, what do you think about it? <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought it was, um, it was brilliant. Uh, very similar to you. It was like, um, I think I watched this for the first time when I was about, I think I was like 17 I think I just started college um and fell in love with it because it was almost like uh um nostalgic in a strange way mm. um because I love how the genuine plot of this film is like he's just trying to lose his virginity amongst like all these <laughs> things that are basically like he thinks it's the end of the world and you get that a lot when you when when you're like 15 and you're having to ask all these questions that have hit you all at once and you've never had to think about them for as long as you've been alive. Yeah. Um, and I think this film really sums up like the, not not only like the loneliness, but also the confusion and to the kind of quirkiness of that time in your life very well. Um, and the, and it doesn't romanticize it in, it romanticizes it in, in a very kind of honest way but it doesn't kind of like make it something that it isn't. It's very honest and it's, um, it's a great interpretation of like that period of your life growing up as like a, a young lad. Um, yeah. The whole kind experiencing of... things like love and, yeah. and trouble with your family and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The kind of which... running, running kind of motif about thinking <laughs> yeah. your life is a film. And yeah. It, and that is, that is a very, <clears throat> that is very much a feeling that i remember feeling as a kid especially when you're like starting mm. to starting to have girlfriends and boyfriends and it all feels very dramatic and it feels cinematic and i like the way that this film plays with 
cinematic yeah. language to express those feelings um and i think when i was younger i got really swept up in that and i was like oh my god this is so how i feel you know <laughs> this is so yeah oh my god Definitely. um and as i've gotten older <laughs> i'm kind of like ah yes i was how i felt what a twat I was. Um, <laughs> what a young twat I was. Yeah, because God of Tate is like a very flawed character, um, which I didn't really pick up on, I think, when I first kind of watched the film. Mm. Uh, you know, but the whole kind of narrative and moral of it is really about, you know, I'm not sure about an ultimate conclusion with it, with what it's about, but there there is something in there about having rose-scented glasses and I don't think the film was judgmental of it. It's just aware that mm. that's a thing, and that we what you what is really important can get a bit lost in the weeds. Um, mm. You know, as his relationship with Giordano is kind of developing into something more than just you know this kind of fantasy version of what he thinks it should be, and it starts to become real, and she starts sharing real problems with him. He starts to recluse, and he thinks he's doing it for the best, but he's not he's he's a bit of a twat really <laughs> um yeah. and there's a, there's a lot of like little moments where like you know he he's clearly not aware of who he is um as a yeah. person he's talking about like all the different phases he's gone through he's saying i tried smoking a pipe and <laughs> wearing hats and he, you know, he thinks Trying he's this all really these different things. Yeah. yeah, you think he's he thinks he's this really interesting, quirky person, <laughs> but yeah. actually he's just kind of like this nobody in school. He's got like one mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, oh, he says dear. he says he thinks bullying's wrong, but then he he happily participates in it. Like, yeah, uh, he's a he's a bit of a twat. You know, <laughs> he's a bit of a twat. Um, and he's try he's he's but he's he's good hearted. Um. Yeah. You know, he's trying to save his parents' marriage. You can tell it's not working out, uh, but he's doing it in the most ham-fisted and awkward way. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it feels like uh, all of those kind of things in his life just kind of overwhelm him. But because it's so much, he becomes like numb to it as you do when you're growing up. So you become almost like a, a very cynical. You can become. You can either deal with it and figure out ways of dealing with it. But you don't necessarily think of that age, I think, whether or not that's, like, the right way of doing it. Um, it's just what feels <laughs> like... Uh, it makes you look best. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you think you're doing the right thing, um, but it's just not the case. And um, I think, yeah, it does capture that very well. And I, I loved how it makes you feel that like your life's a film because I relate to that so much growing up like you feel like you're the main character and everyone else is like the you know when they go home they're just like the camera's not on them it's still yeah. on you yeah exactly. um and that's such a strange concept to like watch a film and realize like oh like I absolutely did that subconsciously like you thought you were the the main mm. character to this story and you had yeah. no concept of anything outside of your own life because it was so you know like it growing up for so many years in a school is so like life is just a certain way um yeah. <laughs> and you and just you, have to deal with it you you yeah. have to go to school you have to do all these things and it's like yeah. and you imagine these these little moments of you know of courage or breaking work, out of that mold 
or whatever and you imagine him as these big kind of cinematic moments as a thing where he's trying to he's trying to do the right thing and he's sending like a note he's sending the pamphlet to the girl mm-hmm. <laughs> allowed to not get bullied and <laughs> he's saying like uh i imagine this moment being being on a crane shot pulling out but yeah <laughs> unless things improve the biopic of my life will only have the budget for a zoom out and then the camera zooms out um <laughs> i just love that it's, it's it's so playful but it is very much speaking to that so that's idea about you know thinking everything is like so important thinking this all these things are really yeah. gonna matter and uh and thinking you're in you're in a film as well thinking like you are a film <laughs> character like when yeah. he's, when he's thinking about he's fantasizing about meeting her on the beach seeing someone on the beach thinking it's her and she turns around and it's not <laughs> and all this kind of stuff like, it's very it's very funny um but that is that is how you 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 kind of have these morbid fun- fantasies when you're young <laughs> when yeah you, go, you have no perception gonna, of like yeah i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be so it's gonna be so cinematic and amazing it's you know no <laughs> mm. oh, absolutely it's um I, I get kind of really cautious with coming of age stuff as well because it's often very kind of cheesy and it plays to like really safe themes and doesn't give it doesn't often offer anything that's new it just kind of makes it's just kind of cheesy i guess you could say sure but this was so honest and um really funny uh like because yeah. of the honesty of his like reflection of obviously that part of his life I think Richard Iwadi has been able to make a, a film that is genuinely, reflectively hilarious. Um, but also you yeah. feel like in, in the way that it's both shot and in the way that you spend a lot of time with him, you still feel like you're you're going along this journey. Um, and I guess when you're completely all right, like when you're young, you, you don't necessarily know what exactly is going to happen in the film or things but are actually quite shocking because um, you are in that kind of space where you're like oh this is actually me and this is what happens in my life and then watching it now it's like that is a brilliant portrayal of that, that those feelings at that time yeah. um and that's what i think what i took away most from watching it again was my goodness me um that is a very um good depiction of yeah. um of what kind of like uk school life was like for for kind of young lads and um people who might just be a bit a bit shy and recluse and yeah um, and their mindset um growing up yeah it's um it's it's still got some of the tr- it's got like the tropes of a coming of age thing um mm. it's very quirky um and it's definitely a bit pseudo Wes Anderson at times um <laughs> which some people complain about I really don't mind that about it some people I've seen have kind of said that that kind of takes them out of it or mm. they feel like it's just kind of aping the style but I feel like it's its own kind of thing I, I don't know like a, I, I think, think it's it, got its I own voice it, for sure I think it emphasizes that whole um that whole contextual thing about you think your life is a film and you think of when you when you're a young lad and if you if you've ever thought that you you picture shots and bits and scenes and stuff um and like those are the kind of the way that this film is shot is what 
like is the kind of like shots and pieces like that kind of Wes Anderson style things that are a bit different is how you picture it you know what I mean um so I think it I think it geniusly aided it um and it also gave it obviously a, a very unique um uh visual presence um but it, it yeah like I think it yeah it really aided it and I, I I hate to say that I um it also of course because it's shot on 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 film it has like a texture to it that adds to the kind of its grittiness and and honesty and its imperfection most importantly um yeah you know this isn't a a clean like uh story that isn't harsh it's very honest and it's not perfect it's imperfect and and so is arguably film you know like um and yeah in in that way I, I think it adds to it and it's something that i definitely picked up on um alongside i'm sure you're going to bring this up but alongside how um it's paired with one of the best soundtracks uh <laughs> one of my favorite soundtracks by um alex turner yeah yeah uh, which that. is the actual whole album if you haven't listened to it is is fucking great um mm. It's one of my favorite records and it's it's one that's like so consistent the whole way through um and beautifully paired with this film additionally at that that age as well for for me it was like we used to listen to the arctic monkeys and and those kind of like indie bands at that age so it was kind of like oh it's the guy from arctic monkeys (laughs) i love that guy (laughs) yeah um yeah he's scoring this film um but yeah no yeah he's He's great, and um, yeah, the the soundtrack for this. I think this is probably yeah, this is probably my favorite film soundtrack to be honest, because like they they fit very well. I think Turner's just very good melancholy. at like yeah, that kind of melancholy feel. Um, and something in the lyrics as well. There's the, there's that kind of quirky nature to them. Um, they they have this kind of yeah, this kind of like quirky kind of feel to them um, but, but they're also very sweet and sincere and just yeah very well yeah. well fitting songs you know I guess um, like Alex Turner in the Arctic Monkeys wrote a lot about reflective parts of his childhood and growing up as a teenager and falling in love anyway so yeah, when you absolutely. strip back that kind of heavy you know or heavy but like that kind of that that rock sound of, uh, of Arctic Monkeys you get this which is uh, which turns those kind of lyrics into something completely different, which is a very lovely, reflective, melancholy, um, and endearing, sweet kind of uh, soundtrack to go with this film. It was it was such a fucking brilliant pairing. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. the Arctic Monkeys connection runs a little deeper because, like, I think the other direction Iowadi had done before this was some music videos for them, and he did a live concert thing for them um oh lovely i think that's where that that came from um yeah it's just it's it is super fitting um every, every, everything like i talk about this thing about cohesion and like everything about it just feels so cohesive like there's there's this consistent tone <laughs> yeah. of voice throughout all of it even in the humor you know like it's very dry sense of humor which i understand isn't going to be for everyone but i really love that stuff i really love just kind of like 
not it's not quite you're a psychopath yeah it's not it's not quite cringe it's very blunt very dry like yeah little moments and um and even and uh, the the emotional drama of it as well it's very compelling too like you know you kind of fall in love with these characters along with them and Mm. the family drama stuff it's 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 walked around a little funny they present it a little funnily but there's a, there's like a deep there's a deeper thing going on there's a, you know with like Noah Taylor as a dad and he's just kind of like you know he, he's he's depressed and you see him in these kind of depressive moods and and the kind of tension at home and all that stuff hits hits very true I feel the kind yeah. of like awkward silences and little comments and I love the scene with um where he tries to kind of. Uh, relate to his son and he's like you know when i was at your age i once ripped my t-shirt off and that was very effective <laughs> for a woman he has a mixtape of uh of oh, songs yeah. and, and he i love how he's kind of like really awkward about it like yeah dad thanks but then also takes that as gospel because he puts it on when <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah on the night he, um and that's something that i related to it was like he, when you're growing up, you you just like, oh yeah, yeah. It's really cringe and awkward to imagine your parents as relating to being these, you know, what you are, you know, like a young teenager. And but then when it comes down to the moment, you're just thinking of what they told you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you're running with it. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Um, so that's hilarious. And and the way yeah. that they interact with each other as characters, um, of um. Um, Joanna, sorry, um, uh, Joanna and Oliver, the way that they kind of relate, like speak to each other, and how their dialogue's different, and and how they build those characters, and the way that they deal with things, um, and how that conflict comes together in certain bits when they're alone is very interesting and yeah. just brutally honest and straight to it. Like, yeah. it's just straight it's it's just incredible um depiction of like of, of youth um and innocence and um and yeah like the, the mindset of of what it's like at that age and, and how confusing everything is and you always second guess like whether or not like something's good or or, or how someone's going to interpret something and um yeah. it does all that so well yeah yeah i like that honesty about the relationship to especially from that like male perspective where like mm. he kind of just wants to like lose his virginity and make out and you know and he's always trying to kiss her at like the most inappropriate moments and um <laughs> and then when they broke up he's like you know so he's like bitterly depressed and <laughs> yeah. wants her back it's the end of the world yeah yeah, yeah. and as well we didn't really want her anyway and, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and I just find that very like that's like something that um, I find very relatable and again it's that thing about when I was younger I probably wouldn't have really clocked into that and now <laughs> I'm a little older I'm like ah yes, uh, yes. I remember those days <laughs> um, what, what else yeah the the look of it's great I loved I was, uh well, another thing about it being kind of formative, like, you, you know, that little film they make, the two weeks of lovemaking or whatever they call it. Yeah, the um, 
the the Super Eight film. Yeah, it's, it's a little wonderful Super 8 film. It? And I remember watching that for the first time and thinking, like, well, this makes no sense because it's meant to be their film, but someone else is filming it. You know, like that doesn't make yeah. sense. And then <laughs> obviously now being older, be like, oh, that's a very interesting stylistic choice to have it be. And again, it's that with that running metaphor about your life is a film. Yeah, um, you're romanticizing like those yeah. aspects of your life. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I just love um, like the the little t- just the little like <laughs> glimpses into his kind of mind that you get. Like he's think like he's thinking like well, he's reading that book and it's like it says uh you know pets are good for children because they learn how to deal with death. So he's like. The dog's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's looking at the rat poison, thinking about it. <laughs> he's got to do it. I've got to progress. Um, I think one of my favourite quotes was, "I suppose it won't matter when I'm 38, but I'm upset about it." Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, this it's um, I, their interactions between those two and were were so much fun, um, and that was my favorite part about this i think it was just the obviously the reflection that he has upon himself and his life and the things happening around him but then obviously those things coming into practice you know he'll talk about the the idea of what he thinks like sex is like or like what you want you know he, he wants to kiss her and all this stuff and then the scenes actually happen and how they play out and how it, it, it turns out to be nothing of what he expected and then how he reacts to that and how the perspective is always just completely wrong or you know um it's quite charming and it's quite um it is a really bittersweet film and uh it's it holds a place in my heart i think for exactly the same reason that it does for you yeah um i think also that it's something about the setting too because like it's it's in swansea shitty um, seaside town shitty seaside town yeah and like that's for us that's very much like a that yeah. imagery is is very nostalgic like yeah the, yeah the beach and all that like that's very um and also like with the setting it's um it's got this timeless quality about it like it's not it's not quite modern day but it, this mm. but it's quite like, it seems a little kind of modern like it seems like it's kind of in modern day school but then the home life I is think... there it's very kind of like 70s early 80s supposedly it was it was set in the 80s but like i have like to me that it's like you know it 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 wasn't really apparent i guess and it's not important either no um i suppose it only relates to like richard iowadi growing up you know what i mean because obviously he would have wrote about if it was a reflective piece about his childhood then he wouldn't have said it now i suppose because it's not it's not how he knows it's like us doing a growing up piece about you know right now and i imagine school life is very different now to how it was for us and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. But, but i think he i think i was reading like it was kind of an intentional decision for it, for it to be like maybe like it it probably is the 80s but it's mm. we don't pin it down specifically and it doesn't lead into like the tropes of that sort of stuff like you don't really hear like the music and all that kind of stuff like it, it feels very singular um, and mm. in its own kind of little bubble, which I like about it. And again, it's it's that film that ties into the you know the the film narrative metaphor, where you know even the setting is kind of like otherworldly, weirdly. 
um, is very subtle. But yeah, um, do I have anything? Like, that's it, really. I just, I just really love it. I just truly, truly love it. Um, yeah. I don't think it will relate to everyone. I don't think everyone will have exactly the same reaction, but I think for me no. and you, it's like, a, 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 for a lot of the reasons that we mentioned, it's it's very um, nostalgic. Um, and I think that's one of the, I think that's like probably one of the fair um, criticisms is that not everyone's going to like exactly relate to it or have the same reaction to it. But yeah, it. It is beautiful, isn't it? It, it? There is something about it and the way that the characters are interpreted and how it plays out. And yeah, for all the reasons that we've spoken about, it's just, it's um, cohesive, um, beautifully so. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I love it as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's an all-time fave. It's a very special film. Um, yes. I'm giving it five stars because mm. it, it just bloody is, all right? <laughs> Yeah, I was exactly the same. Five stars. Um, I don't think I'd be able to put it between either a nine or a ten. Uh, I don't feel like that. I don't have uh, as I don't have um, the, uh, enough criticisms to kind of distinguish whether or not it's it's like where it is on that scale. But for me, it is yeah, like a five. It's yeah. Like, it was so nice revisiting it, and I feel like I just want to watch it all over again, and we'll put the the record on just kind of reminisce <laughs> on life you know what I mean yeah sure uh, but yeah no it's fantastic alright awesome <clears throat> so as everyone looks forward to at the end of these double features you find out what we're going to be uh, uh, reviewing next episode yes our, our um, request to one another yes so next month we'll be going into the next month for the next double feature and yes because it's october it's the spooky, spooky season. season baby That's spooky right. season so we're going to be covering anything halloween adjacent <laughs> i'm going to label it as that <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> horror, you can do horror films obviously there's gonna be a lot of that but anything that could Ooh. be conceived as being halloweeny we're gonna try cover it <laughs> okay cool um i think i know what i want to talk about let's hear one. yours first um so w- when i think of halloween i think of monsters oh, what, no. are the, what are the famous movie monsters vampires and werewolves come to mind and i thought what's a film with vampires and werewolves oh for god's sake uh, don't say it <laughs> twilight we're gonna watch twilight oh you fucker yes <laughs> we're gonna do it which one what the uh, first one the fir- we'll do the first one um, I think I've is that New Moon? I think it's just called Twilight. Oh, the first one. Okay, we'll I've watched. Fir- yeah, I haven't watched the first Twilight. I don't think I've, I, I, I fell asleep halfway through New Moon because it was on the telly. Um, <laughs> I was watching it with the family and I fell asleep. But um, Twilight, yeah. Twilight, oh, okay, two thousand eight. Um, okay, <laughs> I think it's a very interesting film, and we're gonna have a great time discussing it. <laughs> I fucking can't wait. Okay. <laughs> what have you got for me? <laughs> um, oh God, it's between the two. I don't know. Uh, how many double features will we have in October? Only two. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm planning. I've already, one is already predetermined. Yes. 
Um, bugger. What do I do? Um, oh, okay. Um, so I have one that's like a childhood favorite horror. Okay. Um, but it's also kind of like an action film at the same time. And then I've also got two of my favorite horror movies ever. Um, and one of them I want to save, uh, so, which one would you prefer? Sure choice. Come on. I know it's my choice. Um, I'm oh, feeling I, know. I know what the childhood favourite one is. Oh, what do you think the childhood favourite one is? Is it by a director that you really like? Uh, no, actually. Okay. I'm thinking like much younger, because I, I know exactly what you're saying. Mm. Um... Uh, but actually, I'm going to save the childhood one for after, because um, it's not ne- technically a horror movie. So I'm going to save that for November because I always watch it around Christmas time. Okay. Um, so that is also a very good one, actually. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I will give you um, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, nice. Which is awesome. one of my favorite horror movies ever made. Right, awesome. Um, and one of my f- favorite films ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you've got a really funny one, and then a, a more serious one that genuinely terrifies me. Um, awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for spooky season. Oh my goodness, it's my favourite. Thing and Twilight, awesome. <laughs> awesome, that is so cool. And that's right, folks, it's going to be all spooky, it's going to be all macabre, uh, it's going to be everything yes. and every- anything. Can't wait. <laughs> all right, awesome. Well, thank you for listening, as always. If you like, thanks. If you like the show, <laughs> you want to keep up to date with it and follow, you can join us at twittercom show, Instagram at FinalDraftPod, on Facebook at FinalDraftPodcast. You can also send us an email at final pod, final podcast. Yep, FinalDraftPodcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. If you just want to send us anything, to go for it. Um, was there to be a link to the Discord on the socials? Join the Discord, join the conversation. Let us know what you think, what you feel, how you are. What did you have for breakfast today? I want everyone to put me put in Discord what you had for breakfast. We need this, guys, please. please you don't, tell us. If you don't do it, it's going to confirm a lot of no theories I have about. <laughs> it's going to confirm a lot of theories I have about who actually listens to the episodes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your next episode is gonna be uh, is actually gonna be something. It will actually be something cool that we did. Yes. Oh my god, we can. Uh, we have to choose when to announce this. Actually, um, we could we could announce it now. We could save it. I don't know. Oh. It definitely ha- it happened. It actually happened. It so actually I'm comfortable happened. Yeah, saying it's not it. like a, yeah. So we were very cautious about doing it because uh, or saying anything because we want it to actually happen. Um, but it did happen, um, and it went really well. Um, and we're very excited to show you uh, and let you listen to what we have coming up next week. I believe. Yep, it will be. It'll be next week's. It'll be next week's slot. So you don't even have that long to wait. Alex, do you want to talk to the audience about what it is? Uh, we're very fortunate to speak with director of Bait. Uh, which is a BAFTA nominated BAFTA award winning film. Um, Hell yeah, Mark Jenkin. Uh, 
who is an, an amazing filmmaker, very interesting guy, uh, who shared us a lot of thoughts about his process of filmmaking and really just kind of in, really interesting conversation about filmmaking in general and perce- mm. perceiving filmmaking. And um, he's a very interesting filmmaker right now, very talented. Um, so if you want to do some homework, strongly recommend you go watch Bait um, and then join us for that episode because it was really it was really cool, really fun. Um, and we're excited to do more stuff like that for you guys in the future. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Uh, any last plugs? Uh, no, just uh, I'm really excited for us to, to kind of expand over to a new kind of chapter of our show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that we're very excited to... I, I, I teased it a little bit on the stream and said that we've got something coming um, that's like a a new chapter i guess in our show because uh it is um but thank you so much for staying around and listening to what we do and also um supporting what we do um but we hope that this is just going to be one of many but until then please do enjoy it uh and we can't wait to hear what you guys think mm. awesome exciting also remember to go to patreon.com slash draft okay that's the show. <laughs> do you want to do you want to explain why, Alex? Do you want to explain why? Um, because I am a greedy pig and I want your money. Also, you get a bonus episode every month. Alex, no, Alex. <laughs> you get a bonus episode and a roll in the Discord if you, if, if that t- if that tickles your pickle. But it's mainly about the money. I do you this try. for money. Um, yes. Money is everything. Exclusively. It's the only thing that will last when I die. Um, so please. That's right. Hand over. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for the <laughs> Take care. Cheers. See you later.